Okay, please turn your Bibles to Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And um, so those of you who are visiting with us, we are busy with a, a series on the Ten Commandments. So we're walking through the Ten Commandments and in preparation of our church covenant. So our church covenant is just a summary of what we believe every Christian must be and live like. And we believe the Ten Commandments summarize that the best. And today we're actually tackling a, a little bit of a controversial one of the Ten Commandments, which is the Sabbath, the Sabbath. And I just want to give you guys a heads up right at the beginning of the sermon. Um, this is going to be a bit more meaty than the usual sermon. So, so this might be like a T-bone steak with mashed potatoes and on the side chips. Like big. And some of, you, some of you might be satisfied like in the middle of the sermon. It's like, okay, can I take that for doggy bag? Like, can I have that rest of the sermon? So I want to encourage you to, to try to stick with me. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit of a more hectic or more intense sermon, but but I, I believe if you lean forward in your soul to listen to this and to try to understand if, we, if, if the Sabbath still applies to us under the new covenant and how that looks like, that's a question we must ask ourselves tonight. And um, that's why I believe that this is a very important topic and a very controversial one, but I believe also a very freeing one if we understand it correctly. So let's read together God's word, Exodus 20 from verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we come to you because we are your creation. We are made in your image to know you, to reflect you, to worship you, and even in this passage, to rest like you. Please teach us what this means. Please expose our hearts and the sin that lies within it. And I pray that you will even protect me and protect us, Lord, from legalism. Lord, we don't want to say more than what your word says or say less than what your word says. But we pray that we would just sit under your word and let your word speak. So, Father, come and transform us. And may we obey the fourth commandment for our benefit and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, my study of the fourth commandment was deeply challenging and deeply convicting at the same time. I had to make some massive mind shifts about how I thought about the Sabbath, and I had to make a, a lot of small changes in my life to be able to keep this commandment. So I must also confess that I, I didn't always believe that, that the Sabbath applies to us today, but after my study, I've changed my mind, <laughs> okay? So I hope I can change your mind if you don't agree or don't think we should. I think we should, and I, I hope I can make it clear. Um, and I just want to say, I've been reading a few books on this topic, but the, the one book I recommend, if you want to read further on this topic, if you want to study this topic a bit deeper, I recommend the book by Kevin DeYoung, um, The Ten Commandments. So Kevin DeYoung wrote a very easy to read, practical, devotional, but also theologically thick book, uh, The Ten Commandments. And I find that the easiest book, there is another book, if you want to find out more, you can come ask me afterwards. But um, The Ten Commandments, that's a book I recommend if you like to read more on this. But I also want to say that, I've, that there are some very 
solid and faithful Christians and pastors that have disagreed with what I'm going to say with, to you right now. And I'm sad to say many of them are my heroes. Okay? So many of them, like John MacArthur, John Piper, James Montgomery Boyce, or any other John that's a, a Baptist and Reformed, right? <laughs> but but like, it seems like the, the popular view is that there's no Sabbath law to keep. There's nothing to do there. Um, but I disagree. So, so just to say that right at front, that this is a very controversial topic. And we are even free, I think this is one of those areas we are free as believers to disagree on. Um, but, I, but I hope that we as a church can, can, can come around and agree on this together. Because my, my study of this has convinced me that this is what the Bible says we should do. And there's a New Testament, New Covenant application of the fourth commandment that is still binding on us today. So our outline for today is we're going to look at the Sabbath and the Old Testament, briefly, very briefly, Sabbath in the Old Testament, then Sabbath in the New Testament. Then we're going to look at a little bit of those what about verses, you know. So there's those, but okay, if you have to do the fourth commandment, what about that and that and that verse that says the opposite of what you say? We're going to look at briefly at that and then close our time together with some applications about how do we then practically keep the, the, the Lord's day today. So let's dive in. Let's begin with the Sabbath in the Old Testament. And let's begin just by looking at the, the commandment that it's, that, as it was given in the Ten Commandments. Let's just read verse 8 again. Verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, so notice that this is a positive command. Normally the Ten Commandments is do not, do not, do not. This is not something we should not do. This is mainly something we should do. This is a positive command, something you must do rather than not do. To remember also implies that, it's, that the Sabbath was something that came from the past. You, don't rem, you remember something that comes a long time, right? Or that has happened in the past and you remember it today. Um, it shows us that the Sabbath was always there. And we see that right in our text. The Sabbath came from creation. Okay, look at verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God himself rested on the seventh day, and that's why we should, re we should rest. And God didn't rest because he needed to rest. God is all-sufficient, has all energy. So there's nothing that God needed to rest from, but rather he rested in the sense that he rejoiced in his creation. It's almost like looking back over the six days and just having that, moment you know you know when you wash the dishes and you look back over your kitchen and you're like oh that feeling amen right that's that's the type of rest that god had looking back and just rejoicing enjoying his creation and secondly setting an example for his image bearers so we were made in the image of god setting a pattern for us to also do what he did to rest and to rejoice in his creation that's what we should do but, so remember doesn't just mean looking back, it also has a future element to it. Like saying, remember your wife's birthday, right? So your wife was born in the past, but if I say remember your wife's birthday, that's something you must do right now or tomorrow. And if you forget it, you'll never forget it, right? So just forget it once and all the husbands will understand what I mean. Okay, that actually happened to me, by the way. <laughs> okay. But, um, but so remember, it's not just something in the past. It's something you must do to make that day special, okay, in the same way. So the same way when God says, remember the Sabbath, he's saying, remember it and make it special. Treat it as what verse 8 says, keep it holy. Remember, holy just means set apart, different than 
the other six days. This day must be different than your normal six days. And it is right here where the fourth commandment might be a bit surprising to you because the first half of the is, is to obey and to do something on the other six days. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So the first thing you must do is to work. You must work hard. Work was given to mankind before sin came into the world. Work is good. You know, sometimes we think work is the curse, like God has cursed us by working. Now we have to just work. That wasn't the curse. The curse is that we are now by the sweat of our brow working and we are frustrated and we are disappointed in everything we do. That's the curse. But work itself is, is good. So in a perfect world, God made work. In a perfect world without sin, Adam, work and keep the garden. Right? That was the work. There was another thing God gave before sin, that was marriage. Marriage is also a creation ordinance. So work is a creation ordinance. Marriage, he says, Adam and Eve, he made Eve for Adam. And he says, a man shall leave his father, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Marriage is not man's idea. Marriage is God's idea. So work and marriage is a creation ordinance. And then also the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. That happened before there was sin. And if there would never be, be sin... Adam and Eve would have kept one day in seven holy and rest on that day. So that's an important point for us to, to remember, okay? So, beloved, one reason why you might not be enjoying your one day in seven is because you are not working on the other six. If you are lazy for six days, you will never enjoy your one off day, right? So you must actually work hard so that your Sabbath is sweet, your, your rest day is good. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, I'm paraphrasing, I, can't, I don't have the exact quote, but he says, a lazy man will never be a happy man. Because even if you put that lazy man in paradise, he would be miserable because the perfect man was a working man. So put the lazy man in paradise, still miserable. Because God says, get up and work. <laughs> okay, so you have to work. Work is why God made us to be working. Okay, but then after we work, then comes verse 10 that says, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So the seventh day, according to history as well as the Gospels, is the Saturday. So under the Old Covenant, this was the Jewish Saturday that they had to keep on this seventh day. And they were to set the Saturday apart as holy, as different than the other days, to rest. Notice that this wasn't just something for you personally, right? This was for your whole house. Your whole family had to rest with you. Even your animals had to rest. So this was an entire comprehensive command. And this was like a command to really protect people. Um, so that work or employees just don't ask people to work for seven days a week. So this was also a kind of a protective law to not burn out, but to, to rest. Look at um, just quickly look at Deuteronomy as well. Just turn your um, to Deuteronomy chapter five, the other um, section of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy five, verse twelve to fifteen. Notice here the reason God gives for the Sabbath. So this, the reason He gives for the Sabbath in Exodus is. Because God rested on the seventh day in creation. But the reason he commands the Sabbath in Deuteronomy is different. Notice the, the, the reason. Look at um, Deuteronomy 5 verse 12. 
It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, and so it goes. And then verse 15, oh, um, yeah, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So what is he pointing to now for the reason why they should keep the Sabbath? To redemption. Their freedom from slavery. So now we have keep the Sabbath because of creation and keep the Sabbath because of redemption. Which is going to become an important motive for us as well in the new covenant. And the reason I, they were, I had to think about their redemption is because this was a law for their slaves as well. He says, let your slave rest because you shall remember that you were a slave once. Be merciful as you have received mercy. That's the point of the Sabbath. So remember you were slaves. I freed you. Don't be harsh on your slaves, right, in this context. And the last thing we must note about the, the commandment itself is that this was a command specifically given to fathers. Because it says you or your son or your daughter or your life. To whom is he speaking? The head of the household, right? To fathers. They were supposed to lead their family to, to rest, to, to take the day off. That's why Joshua could say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was taking that lead. He was ensuring that. So it was specifically husbands and fathers who were supposed to lead their families in this. And therefore, if we apply this to our context as well. Something wrong? Oh, batteries away. <laughs> okay. It's all right. Okay. Um, so that's why I think for us today, that's why we must remember husbands and fathers, we have a specific role here to lead our families in doing this. Ironically, to do this is hard work. <laughs> so that's maybe why men don't want to do it, because it's too much work to make sure that the kids are on time and that everything is working together on the Sunday. It's hard. It's difficult. But yet, that's what we must do. We must prepare well on the Saturday so that we can rest and rejoice in the Lord on the Sunday. Right, so that's important. So specifically to men, we have a role here. We have a specific responsibility before God to do this. But before we move on to the New Testament, there's just one thing I want to highlight from the Old Testament. So I've, I've, there's so much more we could say about the Sabbath in the Old Testament, but there's one thing I want to highlight, and that is the key motive to keeping the Sabbath in the Old Testament was trust. The key reason we should keep the Sabbath, they should have kept the Sabbath in the Old Testament was trusting God to provide for them. Think about that, the story when they were in the wilderness. Remember, manna was, God gave them manna, and God said, on the sixth day, I will give you twice as much manna, so that on the seventh day, you don't have to go out and get your bread. The point there is, trust God to take care of you, to provide for you, so that you don't have to work on the seventh day. Okay, let's take another example, the sabbatical year. So the Sabbath happened every week. The sabbatical year happened every seventh year where they had to not work the field for an entire year. So they had to let the, the ground just fallow, right? And just let it naturally grow what it had to grow. But then the practical question is, okay, but if we can't sow our crops and plant, and how are we going to eat? How are we going to survive? Listen to, God, listen to God's answer here. Um, this is Leviticus 25 from verse 21. He says, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, 
so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. Whoa, like God will give three years worth of crops on the sixth year. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop and you shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crop arrives. So God gave sufficient crops for three years. But do you see the point here? Trust God. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. You can rest. You can take a day off. God is our provider. And that's what the, the, the Jews of old had to learn. And that's what they didn't believe, right? They didn't trust God. And that's why they broke the Sabbath over and over and over again. So that's a, a very short just overview of the Old Testament. But now let's turn our attention to the Sabbath and the New Testament. Let's look now at the New Testament. Now we come here to Jesus and we see his relationship with the Pharisees and the Sabbath as very toxic, to say the least, right? And it was, and we learn from Jesus some very crucial lessons about the Sabbath. Firstly, we see from Jesus' ministry this overwhelming rebuke against legalistic and enslaving tendencies of man-made rules for the Sabbath. That's a theme that just runs through. The Pharisees were relentless with their millions of rules. You can't carry something heavier than a fig. Things like that. You shouldn't take a bath because if your water falls out of the tub, you accidentally washed your floor and then you worked. Things, that was the type of rules they made for the sake. So it was just this enslavement, really. And remember, Jesus walked in the fields. Uh, he and his disciples plucked of the grain and they were eating of it. And they said, aha, Sabbath breaker. Remember, and then he uses David as an example to show that they're really missing the whole heart of the law. The law wasn't meant to be enslaving, but to be for freedom. And then he says this, Mark 2, verse 27. He says a very important thing about the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Notice again that that echoes creation, the creation ordinance. Man wasn't made to be a slave of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man to, be, to rest, to be refreshed, to rejoice and worship God. And by the way, I think that's another reason why I believe the fourth commandment is binding for all ages. Because Sabbath was, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. Not just the Jews, but for all mankind. All of us need at least one day off in our week. But then Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, which is a reference to his deity. He's saying, I have created the Sabbath. I am the one who makes the rules of the Sabbath. That's another strong statement that says, I am God, when he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So we should be careful of destroying our Sabbath with a thousand man-made rules that God never gave us to do. We should be careful there. We should, so you should not compose a list of what you can and cannot do on your Sabbath rest or Sabbath day. That is to cripple you. That, is a ten, that has a tendency to start sucking the life out of you as well. So that's the first thing. We should be aware of legalistic tendencies. Secondly, we learn that the Sabbath was a day for acts of mercy, to do good to people, right? So clear. It's almost like Jesus waited to heal someone until it was the Sabbath, and then he healed them, just to make a point. Listen to Matthew 12, verse 10. He says, And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good 
on the Sabbath. So very clear. And I think here is maybe our biggest misconception about the Sabbath. When we think of Sabbath, we think of total inactivity. Doing nothing. That's wrong. The Sabbath wasn't meant to be totally passive, doing nothing. I love John Murray. John Murray wrote, he says, The Sabbath in man's week is not to be defined in terms of cessation from activity, but cessation from that kind of activity involved in the labors of the other six days. It was to be different than the other six days, your normal six-day laboring and working. The Sabbath was supposed to be that day of restoration, of freedom, of rejoicing, and of mercy. So it is totally legitimate to do good deeds to people. By the way, that's why it's good and right for doctors to work on a Sunday, right? So for doctors, because you are saving lives, you are helping the, helping the sick to visit the sick as well. It's a great thing to do. So the Sabbath is for healing. That's the principle you need to know. It's for acts of mercy. It's to do. So if your Sabbath is only benefiting you, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> Sabbath was meant to be good for other people as well. So that's the secondly. Sabbath was meant for acts of mercy. Thirdly, and perhaps most significantly, the resurrection of Christ and Pentecost ushered in a new covenant era in which believers gathered on the first day of the week instead of the last day of the week. This is so important. This is where I start to believe that the fourth commandment is still binding on us. So stay with me. Okay? The Bible's history shows us Jesus died on this Friday, according to John 19 verse 31. Jesus died on the Friday. He was in the grave for the entire Jewish Sabbath, the Saturday, and the first day of the week, the Sunday, he rose from the dead, early the morning. Now, that was to fulfill a very specific Old Testament festival called the Festival of First Fruits. The Festival of First Fruits in the Old Testament was also celebrated not on the seventh day, but on the first day of the week in the Old Testament, which anticipated. So it's like the Jews were anticipating the resurrection of Jesus without knowing it. And when Jesus rose, he fulfilled it as the first fruit. His resurrection is like a sign that there's many resurrections coming when he's coming again. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Right? So we see Jesus ushering in a kind of a new day, a, a special day. On the first day of the week, he rises from the dead. Then, after this festival of the first fruits, the Jews had to count seven weeks. So seven times seven, which is 49, plus one. And my follower is actually joking. Why the plus one? That's just like to make us <laughs> confused. But um, so it was exactly 50 days after the festival of first fruits, which was the festival of Pentecost. And again, that day was on the first day of the week. So the festival of Pentecost was also on the Sunday. And what happened in the New Testament church on the 50 days after Jesus was risen, on the festival of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out on that first church. Now, that might not seem that significant, but it is. It is. When Christ rose from the dead, standing up from the grave on the first day of the week, it's as if his life, his death, his resurrection on the first day is showing a new creation. You see, the old Sabbath was on the seventh day, reminding us of the original creation. But now Jesus stands up on the first day showing, I am making all things new. There's going to be a new creation in me. Uh, and one day when he comes again, it will be the ultimate, what we've read in our scripture reading, a new heaven and a new earth. It will be 
Jesus is going to make all things new. So get this, on a Sunday, when we celebrate the resurrection and coming like this, we anticipate the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth. Sunday is like a mini experience of heaven, of that final day, when we celebrate, when Jew and Gentile in the church are at one with one another. There's, we are worshiping God, we, we're hearing God's word, we celebrate his finished work on the cross, rejoicing in his resurrection, waiting and groaning for the redemption of our bodies. And we remember that on the Sunday. So on the Sunday, we remember all of that. So like in the Lord's Supper, we remember his death, right? So the cup and the bread, remembering his death. On the Lord's Day, we remember his resurrection, which ushers in a new creation, which we are part of. So that's important. Another thing, okay, the Jews worked six days and then they worked on the, or they rested on the seventh day. But now our rest is on the first day of the week. Which is weird, like you begin your week with resting, which kind of feels wrong, like you, you just want to get going. But since we are celebrating and resting on the first day of the week, it's, it's also to say, this is a gospel connection as well, that we're saying, we're not working in order to rest, we rest and then we work. Jesus has finished his work, he has completed our salvation, we don't no longer have to work for our salvation, Jesus did it completely. Alright, so that's that's, that's a bit about the, 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 day of the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But now let's look at the New Testament church and look at what they did. I think here the case becomes a bit stronger for us to keep the first day of the week as the Christian Sabbath, if I may put it in, in quotations. So we see the New Testament church, they deliberately chose not the seventh day of the week, but the first day of the week to gather for their worship. Listen to Acts 20 verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Right, so that was that incident where someone fell out of the, the window, right? So, but you see, the church was gathered on the first day of the week, which doesn't make sense because it would have been much more convenient for them to have met on the seventh day, when it was already the Jewish Sabbath. It would have made total sense, but they, the church has made it a practice and a habit to meet on the first day then 1 corinthians 16 verse 2 again paul says on the first day of every week each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there may be no collecting when i come so paul already when he wrote 1 corinthians the churches were meeting on the first day of the week he assumed it he says so on the first day of the week set aside some money for the poor christians in jerusalem so we see that the, the church had a habit of meeting on the first day of the week when it would have been much more convenient to meet on the seventh day of the week and then, Revelations 1 verse 10. Revelations 1 verse 10. That's where we get the phrase, the Lord's Day. Okay, so I've been using that word a long time, like the Lord's Day. But like, where do we get that from? Revelations 1 verse 10. John calls the Sunday, the Lord's Day. Listen to Revelations 1 verse 10. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. We know that is referring to the Sunday because of okay, what Paul said and how we see the early church meeting on the first day of the week. But also the early church history shows that the Lord's Day was synonymous with the Sunday. That was that. So, you might, so here's a, a, just a basic observation. If the Sunday doesn't mean anything, why mention it at all? If there's no special thing about a Sunday, why mention that I was on the Lord's Day receiving this vision? That would mean absolutely nothing then. And why call it the Lord's Day? 
right? So just the phrase itself signifies that this is one day of the week that belongs to the Lord in a special way. All days belong to God because we are His temple. But Sunday belongs especially to God because it's called His day. So I think with that evidence, so firstly that it's a creation ordinance, never meant to pass away for us. And then we see Jesus fulfilling the law, not abolishing the law, fulfilling the law, standing up on the first day of the week, Christians meeting on the first day of the week, and John calling it the Lord's Day, all accumulates to build a strong case for this is now the Christian Sabbath. Right, so that's the New Testament and the Sabbath. But let's talk now about, what about those verse, what about that verse, that verse, and I'm just going to mention two of them. I think the two that I find the most or the strongest verses to say that Christians no longer have to keep any day is Romans 14 and also Colossians 2. So I'm just going to read for, for the sake of time Romans 14. Romans 14 verse 4 to 5 says, Who are you to pass, jud- to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. And he says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That sounds quite like saying, okay, well, one Christian feels one day is important, another Christian feels all, day, all days are equal, and then he, Paul says, each one must be fully convinced in his mind, as if he's saying, it's up to the believers to decide, right? That, that, that sounds like the freedom that we have. And then Colossians 2 verse 16, that's the other one, where it says the Sabbath was a shadow, The Sabbath is a shadow and Christ is the substance, meaning so the Sabbath was a picture of Christ, but when Christ came, the shadow falls away and because we have Christ. He is our true Sabbath, rest. So those two verses seem to be very strong. And and then you add like we're not under the law, but we're under grace. So where does this concept come from? We must keep the Sunday now. So let me give you my answer to that. Okay, so again, this is this might be the place where you might disagree with me and that's okay. Okay. But here's my basic answer for that. I, don't, I do not think Paul is saying that Christians should not meet on the first day of the week because he already said that. He already assumes that in 1 Corinthians 16 and the habit of the church. Rather, we should remember the context of these churches. These churches were full of both Jews and Gentiles. The Jews are coming from a very strict seventh-day observance to rest on the seventh day. And here comes the Gentiles, and they feel all days are like, what is the seventh day? We don't care. We, all days are equal. But now these, these brothers and sisters are judging one another because, because of various reasons, right? Because why do you keep one day? Why do you keep all alike? You must be sinful. Something like that. So this is what I, I would say. What Paul is saying here is this. The old covenant Sabbath is gone. So when he says the Sabbath is a shadow, Christ is the substance, when he says all like... One esteems one day. I think he's specifically thinking of the Saturday Sabbath and not this new Lord's Day that we have now as the church. I think he's saying that is no longer necessary. So each Christian must be fully convinced in his own mind. If some seeks to still hold that day, let them hold it. Don't judge them. So this is also another reminder that we shouldn't be legalistic about this, right? So this should never become a matter of if you see someone not holding or keeping the, uh, the Sunday holy, for, for example, to say, oh, that person clearly is not a Christian. That person's clearly going to hell. Like, that is not what, you, what we should be thinking. So the, that's the main lesson. So I think my answer to those passages would just be, I think Paul is talking specifically about the Jewish Sabbath and that Gentile and Jew, Jewish believers should give grace to one another. 
But again, I think the accumulative evidence of the Bible, the New Testament, Jesus rising and all this together makes a strong case that we should keep the Lord's Day holy, the Sunday. And that's why our church covenant says, and this will be on the board, um, so you can just press one down. So that's why our church covenant, we say this on number four, based on the fourth commandment, it says, we agree to cease from our own works on the Lord's Day unless they are works of necessity and to sanctify the day by consistently attending the meetings of the church, fellowshipping with one another in our homes, performing acts of mercy, as well as engaging in personal devotion and family religion. So that's what our church government say. We agree that we are going to take that one day off and rest and cease from our work and worship together and practice hospitality, practice acts of mercy and having family worship and, and private devotions. So let me close our time together with some applications. Okay, so let's look at how does this look like practically? If we are to keep the Lord's Day as our Christian Sabbath, how does this look like? Well, the very first and the most basic application we should make is the importance of gathering for worship on a Sunday. That's the most basic way we keep the day holy for worship together, is to come to church on a Sunday. It is amazing. So here I just want to say, now it doesn't matter on which side you are. If you believe the fourth commandment is still binding, or if you believe, no, it's, it's not binding in any way, shape, or form, we will both agree that we would still have to come to church. So, so some, many of these applications will still apply to you. Okay? But they, I find there's an attitude today, and I think it is also because we, we don't believe the Lord's Day is anything special, that church is optional. We have this feeling of if the weather is perfect, if the weather is nice, if I don't feel too bad, if I'm not too busy, then I will maybe see if I have time to go to church. The worship of God is now a matter of convenience, not a matter of obedience. That is what it has become. And here I love what Kevin DeYoung wrote. Kevin DeYoung says, so speaking to parents, but he's saying, are we teaching our kids that Sunday is the day we go to church or the day we try to squeeze in church? It, it's also about our attitudes there. It will be hard for our children to come to the conclusion that church is important for them if we raise them to think it was only a third or a fourth priority for us. We may say Jesus is Lord, but end up showing that soccer is the real king. Right, So we should really protect our Lord's Day worship. It should be a, a serious thing if we cannot come to, to, to our church and to worship the Lord together. So that's the first thing. Protect, our sun, protect your Sunday worship. Secondly, you need to actually work harder on the other six days so that you can just enjoy the Sunday rest. Beloved, I just want to say this was the surprising effect that this commandment had on me personally. I needed... To do more, I had to work harder to be able to enjoy my Lord's Day, even as a pastor. So I had to change my view of, you know, um, so I no longer see my Mondays as my main off day. I see Sundays now as my main off day, and I'm just serving you with my gift of preaching. <laughs> but let me just share something here with you. I want to open up a bit of my, my life, if I may. I had a very, very bad habit of finishing my Sunday sermons on four, at 4 a.m. on the Sunday morning. So 4 a.m. on the Sunday morning, I would be awake and I would be finishing up my sermon. Finish the slideshow quickly, print all the announcements and the catechisms. And, and you know what, what effect that had on me about my Sundays? I was exhausted. By the end of my Sunday, I was, I'm so stressed about my Sundays. I'm so exhausted because I'm trying to do all my last little bit of work on my Sunday. 
But now I thought, while I was studying, it's like, I need to get my sermon finished before Sunday. Everything must be done. On Sunday, I must just enjoy preaching and just be with you and with the Lord's people and just enjoy being here on a restful Lord's Day. So I actually worked harder on the other six days. I was like working until late at night to try to finish my work so that I can just rest. Now, beloved, for you, I don't know how many of you are pastors here, so I think it might be looking a little bit different for you than for me, okay? So for you, this might look totally different. Perhaps you'll have to change what you do on a Friday. Perhaps this will mean you have to change something you do on a Saturday. Perhaps you'll have to say no to that Friday braai or that Saturday braai because you have work to do, to finish so that you can rest on the Sunday and then braai on Sunday, okay? Because <laughs> so, that's also acts of mercy, right? To eat a T-bone steak. Um, but, but you see the point. So there's not to be legalistic. There's not to be legalistic, but to say, let's make our Sundays the main day of rest, not our Saturdays or our Fridays. This is maybe a shift we need to make as well. Again, Kevin the Young asks a very practical question here. He says, do you see the climax of your week as the Friday, the Saturday, or the Sunday? That's a very diagnostic question. What day is like the highlight of your week? The one that you look forward to the most? And I believe that should be our Sundays. Our Sundays should be the high point. We should work so hard on the other six days so that on Sunday we just rest. We just do what we like. That refreshes us. And we, we, we practice hospitality with one another. We invite people over. So I just want to say as well, this might just for the record, this doesn't mean that if you work on a Sunday that you are sinning. Okay, so this is also just to be very clear. That's why our church covenant says that unless we do works of necessity. So sometimes life happens. You can't say when your house burns down on a Sunday, it's the Sabbath. I can't put out the fire. It's work. It's hard work. No, like that's an act of necessity, right? If your car breaks down, fix it, right? If, 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 if you need to do something that's necessary on a Sunday, life happens. But just know that that's not the ideal. So when you do work of necessity on a Sunday, you should still feel this is not how it was supposed to be. So there should still be that feeling of, Lord, I'm longing to have my Sundays free. And by the way, so if you are, have a job that, that requires you to frequently work on a Sunday, I think this is, here's some suggestions I think you can do. Maybe go talk to your employer. Talk to him about this and say, listen, I, I want my Sundays to be off. I'm a Christian. I want to worship the Lord on the Lord's day. So, and, and I think, generally speaking, most employers would be open for that, right? We'd be open to, and if they refuse, if they constantly want you to work on a Sunday, then maybe pray for a different job. Maybe you can trust and ask the Lord for a different job so that your Sundays are open to be able to do And in the meantime, work hard and provide for your family. Again, remember, Sabbath wasn't made, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. So again, this is not to say any work on any Sunday is sin, but just know that that's not what God intended for us. And this also applies if you have a business, right? So if you are employer and you have people working for you, to, 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 to really give them the day off on a Sunday, to, to not expect from them to work for you on a Sunday so that you can squeeze every last bit of money out of your, prof, out of your business, Right? Unless your business is burning down and they need to do something on the Sunday, right? So again, acts of necessity. 
Thirdly, do activities on the Lord's day that recreate you. Do activities on the Lord's day that recreate you. Part of our Sabbath is to remember that the Sabbath was made for us. It was for our refreshment. Remember creation. Remember that God created, enjoy His creation. Go for a long walk. Just be in nature if you can, right? Just one of the things that I love about the Lord's Day is a reminder that my work is not ultimate. I can take one day off because God's work is ultimate and final. So I don't have to work seven days because I'm not God. So it's, it's actually a wonderful freeing moment to say, I'm going to stop working because God is the great worker. He makes the world go around. <laughs> and therefore I can stop. Remember creation. Remember redemption as well. Meditate on the fact that Jesus rose again, making a new creation. He's busy making you and me into his image. And one day we will be completely like he, like he is, and you will renew everything. And then do activities that you enjoy, that reflect. All of you know there are certain activities that you do that when you're done with it, you are completely exhausted. Don't do that. <laughs> okay? And then there are these other activities that you do that just is super refreshing and so wonderful. Spend time with your family, right? That's also a wonderful day, the Lord's Day, to just be with your children, be with your, your husband and your wife, just to enjoy being together as well. Seek to distance yourself from these six days of your normal work. So maybe it might mean for you not responding to emails on a Sunday to say, I'm not going to respond to emails. I'm, I'm taking off. So for me personally, I have to maybe stay away from theological books because that's all I do in the other six days. I'm just reading. So maybe I should read Lord of the Rings or like a great novel that I just can't forget. You see, so for you, you might have to read some theological books on a Sunday because you never read it. <laughs> so if that's you, you should like, oh, I never have time to read. Okay, well, you have now. You now have time, right? On a Sunday. Use it. But here's the, pr the principle you must remember is this. The Lord's Day is, to be, is for you to be refreshed. That's the principle. With your family, with your, your, your church family, and with those in need, showing mercy. Fourthly, to rest on the Lord's Day will mean to trust God. So just like the Jews of old, we too, to be able to keep one day in seven holy, you and I need to, to trust that God will provide for us. I think this is maybe the, the main reason why we, why we do not rest. Because if I do not work, who will? If I take a day off, the world will burn. You see, like secretly we're believing that we are absolutely essential to this world. And we're not. <laughs> that's just the reality. God is the only one that's absolutely necessary for everything. So in, 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 an, in another way, we should say it's okay to rest because God has you. God is your provider. Again, Kevin the Young wrote so beautifully in his book. He says, the Sabbath principle from creation to Exodus to the New Testament Lord's Day has always pointed in the direction of trust. That's what the Sabbath has at heart always been about. Can you trust God to give you manna for two days on the sixth day? Can you trust God to make up for lost work on one day by blessing you on the other six days? Can you trust that this burden you're carrying is not yours to carry alone? Can you trust God to carry it and carry you if you have faith enough to stop striving and start worshiping? So maybe for you, if you're a student, 
Okay, I'm going to say something radical. So again, this is not thus say of the Lord. This is just hear me out and may the Holy Spirit lead you where you need to be. Perhaps you have to commit and say, I'm not going to study on a Sunday. I'm not going to do assignments on a Sunday. How would you work if you knew you cannot work and study on a Sunday? How would you study the other six days? <laughs> okay. So again, just, a pr just something I'm suggesting. Okay? So if you are studying, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm just saying that. But, but this might also be an element where you need to learn to trust God. And work harder. <laughs> not, not be lazy on the other six days as well. So, but lastly, let's close our time with the last application for the Sabbath. And this is perhaps the most, maybe the most important, is that our ultimate rest is only found in Jesus alone. So Jesus alone. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So on a Sunday, we remember, we cease from trying to save ourselves. We have ceased forever to try to save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. That's a heavy load. That's a heavy burden to carry to think that you must be good enough to try to impress God so that he can save you. That's not the gospel. We, 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 just like God ceased from his works and rested from his works, we must rest from our works to try to save us and come to Jesus. And Jesus alone will save us. We rest in his finished work. You see, the true Sabbath we need is the Sabbath of salvation. The Sabbath of our salvation. We rest from our works. And we are being recreated into the image of God. He died for your sins. He paid it all. He rose from the dead. His work, when he said, it is finished, we rest in that completed work. So let us trust God. Let us obey him by ceasing from our works, both physically and emotionally and spiritually, and worship Christ our Lord, together. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, you have made us as finite, um, weak, temporary, dependent beings. We sleep a third of our, our lives because we are weak. And we were never made, Lord, to work seven days a week, nonstop. Those who have tried it have burned out. They have destroyed their lives, their families, and, one, and other people. So, Father, help us. Help us as a church. Help us as Christians to truly obey you in this area. Lord, um, your word is so clear and... I pray that our conscience will only be bound to your word and not to the rules of man. Please protect us from legalism. Please protect us from making up our own man-made rules. Help us to work this out for our own lives and apply it to our own lives. And help us to trust you, Lord. This is a, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's difficult to, to trust you, that you are in control, that you are our God, our creator and our redeemer. But thank you, Lord, that our work is not final. Our work is not ultimate. It's your work that's ultimate. You are God. You are ruling the world for your glory and our good. So teach us how to take our Sundays, so to rest in our Sundays, but to rest specifically in Jesus, to rest in him as our Savior, our Lord. So Father, by your mercy, please help us, Lord, and teach us and 
we give you all the glory. We thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for this Sunday that we could have hopefully taken off a little bit and rest and enjoy your word and enjoy one another. Help us to do that even better in the week to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.